If I could title the pastors we've had, if you will, Pastor Strutz would be the starter. Pastor Day would have been the maturer. Pastor Mammon would have been the corrector. And Pastor Morales would have been the redeemer to save from where this church was heading. We have major, major blessings to have Pastor Morales with us. He did a great, great work while he was here. Many of you fondly remember him. Let's welcome him as he comes, Pastor Morales. Thank you so much. Amen. Praise God. Wonderful again to be here with you, to be in Rochester. And uh, just the memories uh, that uh, my family and I have were just so grateful. Amen. We've made as many Rochester rounds as we could uh, in the limited amount of time that we can. Of course, the emphasis is you. That is why the whole family is here, is to be with you and share this time together. But of course, you know, just uh, even walking through uh, simple Wegmans and uh, there's just nothing like it, you know. Even after COVID, there's just nothing like it. And so uh, just all the different dynamics, of course, I had to get a, uh, you know, a garbage plate and uh, enjoy that because it's a must. It's a staple of Rochester and I enjoy it. I love it. People have their, you know, talks about it. But uh, for me, it's a winner. And uh, and so, yeah, just enjoying it, all of it. It's just a blessing to be here. Amen. Second Kings chapter seven, if you have your Bibles. This morning, 2 Kings chapter 7. In 2021, there was this video footage of a bear named Ina that was released. And this video went viral. What was unique about this footage, about this bear, was that Ina had been freed to a nature reserve. After 20 years at a zoo in Romania in this very extremely small enclosure. But after seven years of being with room and space, seven years later, Ina still walked in circles. In the circle of that enclosure. Researchers said... She still cannot properly comprehend a life without bars and continues to pace the imaginary cage as if it's still around her. This uh, really illustrates what we're going to look at today because in our passage there are these four lepers. They are sitting at a gate And they make a decision to go beyond the gates. I want to start with a question this morning. What are the gates surrounding your life? What are the imaginary enclosures from maybe real life experiences, real life things in your past, uh, real life traumas, etc., uh, uh, etc. Et but I want to declare to you this morning, you can get past 
the gates. Let's read Second Kings chapter 7, verses 3 through 8. I'm going to read from the ESV translation. It says, now, now there were four men who were lepers at the entrance to the gate. And they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say, let us enter the city, the famine is in the city and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. So now let us go over to the camp of the Syrians. If they spare our lives, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. So they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. But when they came to the edge of the camp of the Syrians, behold, there was no one there. Verse 6, For the Lord had made the army of the Syrians hear the sound of chariots and of horses, the sound of a great army, so that they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites, the kings of Egypt, to come against us. So they fled away in the twilight, abandoned their tents, their horses, their donkeys, leaving the camp as it was, and fled for their lives, getting past the gate. Amen. Let's uh, look firstly, let's think about sitting at the gate. Making any kind of progress in life, it requires action. It requires uh, uh, you to move. But like our story, there are many in life, they sit at the gate. Verse 3, now there were four men who were lepers at the entrance of the gate. The gate represents for us, it's a boundary for them. The gate is a picture of something that is keeping them out. The gate is a place where they can only go so far. The gate is where progress stops. Verse 3, and they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? Here, because the gate is this place where you become immobilized. The gate is the place where you come to a point and you are sitting, you are waiting, you are wasting away. There's no action. There's no momentum. There isn't any movement at the gate. You live by the boundary. They were living at the boundary. But this isn't just lepers, right? There are people They remain at gates in their life. These points where they become immobilized. They only go so far and stop. There are people, they live at gates in their ministry. Gates in their fruitfulness. Gates in their dominion. Gates in their marriage. Gates in their parenting. Only going so far and then there's a stopping point. And then you live at that boundary. And it can be for a number of reasons. For some, it's the boundary of your limitations. The I can'ts of life. Well, I can't do that. I can't do this or the I'll nevers. I'll never be able to do this. I'll never be as successful as. I'll never be able to accomplish. Or the not me narratives. Yeah, they can do that, but not me. Oh, you know what? That's just not me. That's not my personality. That's not how I am. The limitations bring a boundary. For others, it's the boundary of their fear. 
Fear is an immobilizer. Fear paralyzes people. We read in, in the story of David and Goliath, and you read of this entire Philistine, uh, 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 children of Israel, their armies are immobilized by the Philistines, by Goliath. King Saul is immobilized, and it's fear that is paralyzing them. It's fear that is stopping them. Fear is of the uncertainties. We can't go past the boundaries. Fear of the unknown results. What if I step out and how will I know if it's going to work? How will I know if it's going to be successful? And sometimes that restricts and hinders people. We just over the weekend in Prescott had a first ever, to my knowledge, outreach idea. Concert director came to me and said, what do you think if we did a pie-eating contest? I said, I don't know, go for it. <laughs> Work it out, man. <laughs> I got a report yesterday. They had six saved at a pie-eating contest. But there's some people, they get these ideas, and it's the fear of uncertainty. What if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't uh, uh, pan out how I think? What if... And in those uncertain, I want to be confident. I want to be sure. I want to be, and you stop. You're stuck at a boundary. It's the fear. Finally can be fear of missing out. We have a coined a fr- a term for this. It's FOMO. And FOMO affects, yes, predominantly younger people, this fear of missing out. Oh, I want to live for God, but I'm afraid of what I'll miss out on. I want to be on fire for God, but I'm afraid of what other people will say, of what other people will think, of the things I'll be left out of. But FOMO isn't just something that affects youth. FOMO affects people in general. The fear of missing out on career. The fear of missing out on purchasing a home. The fear of missing out on securities and investments. These things are at work and they become a boundary that restricts. Then there's the boundary of the past. Past failures. There's some people that there are, they have been forgiven. Things have been under the blood. God has wiped it away as far as the east is from the west. But your sins and transgressions, He has blotted out. He has thrown it into the sea of forgetfulness. But there's some people, their past failures is their boundary. Man, I could, but I failed. I wish, but my failure, and it defines them. Past experiences. I tried moving beyond the gates. And all of hell came against me. I tried moving beyond the gates in giving and everything broke down. I tried moving beyond the gates in outreach. Right? I remember having a new convert in Santa Fe, New Mexico and, you know, he would, he, he got radically saved, but witnessing just wasn't his thing and, you know, just working with him. Finally he came on outreach. He's like, but I'm not talking to anybody. I'm like, that's cool, man. Just let's, You can walk with me, you know, and weeks go by and months go by. And finally the day comes. He's like, Pastor, I'm going to do it. I'm going to witness to someone today. I was like, all right, yes, Daniel, let's do this, bro. You know, so we go and he's like, oh, you do the first one. Okay. No, no, you do the second one. Okay. No, no, man, do the third one. You know, we get, we're just going down the way. Finally, finally, he's like, all right, got this one. (sighs) Knocks on the door. We're waiting. And you get that, you know, on the other side of the door. Who is it? So. 
Uh, Daniel, you know, and this guy, he came from the streets. He was hard, man. Just a rough background, you know, the uh, little vato loco lifestyle there in New Mexico, tattoos up and down. So, I mean, he's not like he's intimidated in that way, but <clears throat> yes, yeah, Daniel, you know, guy opens the door all crazy, you know, <laughs> what? He's like, yo, I just want to invite you out to church. You know what? And it, boom, cusses him out uh, to, you know, talks about him, his mama, his uh, daddy slams the door on his face and he goes, that's it. It's like, bro, that was the one time. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Believe me. He's like, nope. I tried to go beyond the gates. I tell you, it was one and only time. Became a solid witness or solid in his evangelism. But sometimes those experiences... The boundary of rejection, the fear of rejection, self-rejection. So like these lepers, people live sitting, waiting for something to happen. Somehow it's going to be different. Sitting in their marriage, sitting in their parenting, finances, fruitfulness, ministry, calling, deliverance. These personal gates where you only get so far. You only get so far and you're stuck. Let's link secondly about moving from the gate. The lepers in our story made a decision to leave the gate. Verses 3 and 4, And they said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say, Let us enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. So now, come, let us go over to the camp of the Syrians. If they spare our lives, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. Think about this. Moving beyond the gates. Moving beyond the gates. It started with a question. If you are going to move beyond the gates, you need to ask questions. Their question was, why? Why are we sitting here until we die? It's a question. They're looking at their situation. They're looking at their circumstance. They're looking at this place where nothing is happening. The gate in their life and they say, why? If you will consider your life's gates and ask questions, that's the start of getting beyond them. Why do I do this? Why do I continue in this? Why do I respond this way? Why do I keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result? Why do I do the things I shouldn't do? And why don't I do the things I should do? These are questions that you begin to ask and analyze and they help you identify where you are at. See, Pastor Greg taught us as disciples, I can remember in serious men's classes, he would often encourage us and challenge us and motivate us to ask questions in all of life ask questions when things are broken 
ask questions. When things are breaking down, ask questions. When things were working and now they're not working, ask questions. When things are disrupted, ask questions. When you're facing setbacks, ask questions. When there's character flaws inside, ask questions. When there are things at work against you, ask questions. If you want to be an effective Christian, if you want to be a man of God, as Pastor Greg would tell us, you need to think. And it seems so simple. But there's a lot of people not asking questions. Not asking questions for their marriage. You have couples maybe in church, maybe in ministry, and their marriage is hemorrhaging, but they won't ask questions. They won't ask questions. There are areas of parenting where there's just some simple, practical guidance, but they won't ask questions. There's things in salvation or in scripture that you don't understand. Things that hell is getting a a foothold in your mind, but you won't ask questions. There's things about ministry, things about fruitfulness, things about dominion, things about deliverance, but there aren't any questions. Our story teaches us that the first motivation to moving beyond Beyond the gates, it starts with a question. Why? When you start there, then it leads us to the second thing we see in our text. Moving away from the gates, ask questions, and draw conclusions. Moving away from the gate was a rational decision. It was logical. It was done with reasoning. Right? They ask, why do we sit here until we die? And as they ask that question, they, they, we're witnessing in this, they're deducing their situation and what is our best option? They're like, okay, think about this. We have three death scenarios, guys. We can sit here at the gate where we've lived our lives of leprosy. We can sit here at the boundaries. We can sit here at the restrictions in our lives and we can just stay here and die. Or we can go beyond the gates into the city. But think about this. We are under siege. Inside the city walls, it's just as bad as it is out here. We don't have any food. They don't have any food. They're eating each other. They're eating the weak ones. Like, this is not a good scene. So they say, all right, so we die here, or we go into the gates, die there, or we can go to the Syrians. Now, it's possible we die with the Syrians too. But so far, our our other two options are die. But the variable with the Syrians was that what if they let us live? What if they let us live when we get there? 
You know, of the three options, there's one possible variable. And it made sense. It made sense to them. Why sit here? Why don't we move? Why don't we go from where we're at and start moving in the best possible direction for the best possible outcome? It makes sense. I want to tell you something. In life, often it makes the most sense to move. In life, you can point things out to people. You can show them. You can direct them. You can even give them resources to help them. Maybe that is uh, uh, resources of, uh, uh, of information or even resources, monetary, money, finances. And you can try to help them in the right way. And they might see things and say, yeah, that makes sense. They might recognize things. Yeah, that, that would make sense. What you're saying is true, but until you actually start to move in that, until you actually start to recognize true condition, that's what they saw, true condition, now we see that we need to take action. And that's the third part of our story. Moving away from the gate requires action. Verse 5, so they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. Here they moved from the gates. They didn't just talk about it. They didn't just recognize it. They took action. See, you have to make the decision to move. So what does that look like, though, practically? For some, the decision to move beyond your gates might be as simple as a prayer life. A daily prayer life. A consistent prayer life. I remember Pastor Artie Aragon making this statement when I was in early in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Pastor Aragon, a man I respect, a man that has invested into my life, into my ministry, a man that was a blessing to me in Santa Fe. And in one of his revivals, he said, you know what? The longer I'm saved, the more my ministry grows, the more influence God deposits and entrusts to me, the more I need to pray. Pastor Greg tells uh, us and the disciples, uh, it comes up weekly. This is why every morning I pray and ask God for wisdom. There are so many believers that live their, their lives, uh, go through seasons, go through circumstances, and they don't pray. Tell you, you can't get beyond the gate. It might be as simple as establishing that daily time with God. For others, it's Bible reading. How do you know what to pray about if you don't know what God says about it? All right, classic, something my pastor taught me years ago as a disciple. You want to see fruitfulness? Well, tell me three scriptures on fruitfulness. You need financial breakthrough? Then tell me three scriptures on financial breakthrough. You want dominion? Well, tell me three scriptures about dominion. 
I don't know. Well, faith, the foundation of faith is built on the Word of God. So Bible reading, when you read it, it's, it's like, it's like eating. It's, you're feeding your spirit. For others, moving beyond the gate might be witnessing and evangelism. I can tell you, I, the, the conversation my wife and I had as, as we were getting more serious, our, God was moving in our lives and in our band and, and we wanted to pursue ministry. And I remember we settled the decision. Our lives and our Saturdays are going to be committed to the things of God first. The things of God first. I'm going to orient. We're going to orient our lives. We're going to orient our schedule around God, not God around our schedule. Church faithfulness. For some, getting past the gate might be reading a book. Your marriage needs help. Read a book. I counseled a couple one time and they said, you know, after years of marriage, over oh, nearly 30 years of marriage, to have a meeting and them say, the, hu- the husband say, I'm turning in my key, I'm leaving the church and I'm leaving my wife. Sorry, what? How long have you felt this way? Probably about five years. Okay. In that time, have you ever spoken to me about, we've never had a conversation. You've never, have you ever asked for help from anyone? Have you ever read a book on marriage? No, 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 no. I'm telling you, there are, there's these, these places you, it's, it's possible to get beyond the gates. Just got to be willing to move. So what are the gates keeping you? What are the gates holding you? What are the gates restricting you? Ask questions. Recognize true condition and make the decision to move. So let's close. Let's think about God moving with you. This is the hope of our story. Is that God, He moves with these lepers. Verses 6 and 7, The Lord made the army of the Syrians hear the sound of chariots and of horses, the sound of a great army, so that they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites, the kings of Egypt, to come against us. So they fled away in the twilight. Think about this. As these four starving, weak, Broken down lepers. 
Leprosy was a very, very uh, horrible disease. It, it, it was, you couldn't feel the nerves. It, it destroyed the nerves in your body, uh, making you susceptible to injuries that you wouldn't know were infected. Uh, digits would be lost. Uh, parts of the body are just getting so uh, broken down and diseased. Not only that, they're outcasts of society. They live at the hand of generosity. All of this is who they are. They are nobodies that anyone would even think about. But when these four lepers made a decision, I'm getting past the gate. I'm moving from where I am today into a better tomorrow. And with each painful step that they took, with each agonizing step that they took in that direction, moving beyond that gate, God caused the enemy to hear something different. God caused the enemy with every painful step to hear the thunderous roar of an army, to hear the thunderous roar of of chariots and horses and artillery, to hear these armies coming at them. God moved through their movement. That's the point. God moved through it. See, it could be this morning that God is waiting for you to move so He can move through you. So He can move with you. So He can accelerate those good decisions. Sometimes you feel simple decisions. Sometimes you feel our small decisions. But they're God decisions. They're salvation decisions. They're discipleship decisions. Think about Moses when he cried to God as he's facing the Red Sea and the Egyptians and the mountains. Here they are now. They've left Egypt. And they're in this place between a rock and a hard place. And Moses cries out to God. God, what do we do? And what does God say? Why are you crying out? Move! But think about this. The Bible says Moses stepped into the water. You might have like Prince of Egypt moments in your head. You know, he holds the staff. And the waters part. Or if you're older, Moses in Charleston Heston is the one you think of. No, no, it says he steps into the water. He walks into that water. Move, okay, I'm moving into the sea. Into the water. And it says, as he moved and obeyed, then an east wind came and parted the seas. It didn't happen until he moved. Abraham began his journey with God after the promise is declared to him in Genesis chapter 12. I will make you a great nation. I will bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. But what is the first surrender? But move from your family to a country that I'll show you. Okay, I'm moving where God wants me to move. I'm moving with what God wants me to do. Luke 17 and verse 10, we read of some lepers that cry out to Jesus for healing. 
And Jesus tells them, go and show yourself to the priest and you'll be made whole. And the Bible says, and as they were on the way, they were healed. In other words, when they started to move, when they started to take action, God may be waiting this morning for you to decide, I'm moving away from the gates. I'm moving away from the gates. I'm settling the decision. And as you do that, God will move through your choice. The second thing we see in as we close, the second thing we see is enemies are dealt with when we decide to move. When we move into what God wants us to be doing, when we settle some simple obediences, when we settle some simple decisions, enemies can be dealt with. Verse 7, so they fled away in the twilight. The Syrians fled away in fear. God caused the enemy to hear and think something different. And the Syrians were dealt with. The enemy was dealt with. Moses at the Red Sea, when he moved, and we know the story after the last Hebrew crosses uh, that uh, Red Sea and steps on the other side, the enemy, the Egyptians are dealt with. The waters close in on them. When it was David who moved toward Goliath and slung that rock, that giant fell and that Philistine army was dealt with. When Jesus sends the disciples out to minister, the Bible says they came back with joy saying, even the demons are subject to us. In other words, as they moved by the word of God, as they moved in the inspiration of God, as they preached and and prayed for the sick. They came back. Oh, even the demons are subject. And God said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. In other words, he lost dominion. Why? Because you moved. Because you acted. Because you did. Because you honored. Because you obeyed. So the lesson is moving into the things of God, into the will of God, into what God wants us to do. And moving away from our gates brings dominion, authority, and breakthrough. As I said this, the beginning of this service, I declare to you, you can move beyond your gates. You can move beyond whatever it is that has restricted you in life. For some, it might be a wound on the inside, a trauma, a hurt. It can be it can be healed. You can move beyond it. For some, it might be an addiction. It might be a, a, a habit. It might be fruitfulness, dominion. There's these gates. You can move beyond them. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Amen. I do appreciate your attentiveness this morning. I appreciate your faithfulness, all who are here with us. Before we pray together and before many come to this altar, I want to give an opportunity for salvation. You're here, you're not saved, you're not born again, you're not right with God. 
But you want to be saved. You want to give your life to Jesus. You want to repent of your sin. You want to be forgiven. You want a new start. You're bound by guilt. You're bound by shame. You're bound by an addiction. Maybe it's these other areas like I talked about, these uh, wounds of life, these traumas. You're bound by depression. You're bound by anxiety. You you battle and wrestle with suicidal thoughts. Uh, there's guilt. There's shame. I'll tell you, Jesus Christ wants to forgive. Jesus Christ can forgive. Give you a new start. Give you a new life. Give you a new heart. You can be free. You can be forgiven. You can be clean. The Bible calls it being born again. Born again. If that's you this morning, you're here, you say, Pastor Sullivan, Pastor Morales, I'm not saved. I'm not right with God, but I want to be today. I want to be forgiven. I want what you are talking about. There are gates in my life. There are restrictions at work in my heart. There are things I live bound by, stuck in. Today I want to be delivered and set free. Would you lift your hand quickly? How many would there be right now? Hi, where I can see it. Pastor, that's me. I want to be born again. I want to give my life to Jesus. Right now, maybe you're not saved you're not, uh, or you're backslidden. One time you were right with God, but today you are far from God. At one time surrendered to God, living for Jesus. At some point you began to live for yourself and maybe... Gates you were once free from, things you were once delivered from, you're bound again. You're stuck again. You're restricted again. Jesus wants to set you free. You'd lift your hand quickly. Right now, there's some you're thinking, yes, I see that hand. How many others right now? You join this honest heart right now. Jesus is dealing with you. You could put that hand down. How many more? How many more? You're thinking, right? I did this a long time ago. I did this when I was a child. I was baptized. I was... But today, you know there is a witness in your heart. And God is revealing to you right now, I am not saved. I am not born again. I need to be right with God. I need to be right with God. You lift your hand. Don't worry about what people will say, what people will think. Don't worry about uh, where you're at. Uh, Maybe you feel, no, I'm not forgivable. Oh, the Bible says the blood of Jesus covers a multitude of sins. His grace is sufficient. There's more than enough. There's more than enough. And God is tugging on your heart. You join this honest heart. How many others? Quickly. You lift it high where I can see it. Pastor, I want to pray. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to repent and turn away from my sin. Amen. Amen. You lifted your hand. Would you just look up at me this morning? You lifted your hand. You meant that. I believe that you did. Amen. I'm going to ask if Cobra, if you'll help her come and, and we're going to have you come and pray a sinner's prayer. Cobra will come with you. Amen. And we're going to open these altars this morning. If God has spoken to you, if God has dealt with you about an area, a gate in your life and you need, you need God to move in it. You need an area of breakthrough. You have an area, you need deliverance. You have an area, you need healing. You have an area area you need a God to supernaturally intervene this altar's prepared for you to say I'm getting past the gate God I'm bringing this area to you or areas to you and I'm allowing you to step in I'm moving 
in what you want me to do. As I said, for some, it might be a prayer life, a Bible reading life, church faithfulness. For others, it may be letting your heart be knit and joined to your pastor. For others, it may be involvement, getting involved or back involved in ministry. So many different ways that this works out. And I'm confident God is going to minister and speak to you and help you this morning as we sing and worship this morning. Awesome is the sight of your holiness. Majestic is your purity. And your righteousness it shines brighter than the sun on me.